while the team is getting back uh, to their seats, let me just quickly s uh, review something because um, maybe you don't understand what it means, but the word Passover, you know what it means? Passover. Yeah, it actually, it actually that's, that's literally what it means. When, when God was judging the nation, the civilization of Egypt, the empire of Egypt, um, plagues were sent. And the last plague, which was evoked from the Pharaoh himself when he threatened to kill uh, the children of Israel, uh, the, that, the last plague was the death of their firstborn. And so God devised this plan. He said, he said you're going to take a lamb, you're going to slaughter it, you're going to take the blood, you're going to put it on the doorposts and the, and the lentils of your home. And when the death angel comes, he'll pass over. And, and anybody inside will be immune. Immune. And so the message is Jesus is our Passover. Jesus is my immunity. Uh, I want you to know that immunity from everything the demonic realm would throw at you is available. Everything that the enemy would use to assault you, to bring your life down into the gutter, to keep you from being what God has intended and promised you could be, all of that has been provided through the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, when, when God sees the blood of Jesus, he, he imputes righteousness. Wow, that's an amazing thing. Hallelujah. Anyway, man, so much we could talk about there. I, uh, when Chris was talking about the, uh, his salvation experience when he came to the Lord, and he mentioned about the shame, and I remember a few years ago, hearing these railings from the unsaved, from the, the uh, caustic sinners, from, from those who were boldly, pridefully declaring their sin. And, and really the idea that they, they brought was that, no, the problem, yeah, we have shame, but we have shame because of your Victorian moral values. That's why we have shame. No, 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 no. The, the Victorian moral values may accentuate uh, the things that cause you shame, but shame is already there. And, and you're just trying to escape it. And it's just harder to escape when the light of it is shining in your face. And so, the, what, it's, it's, is it law? Yeah, totally it's law. But the, the purpose of law is to drive you to the, to the answer for law. And the answer for law is grace which is found only in Jesus Christ. But it begins with acknowledging your shame. It begins with acknowledging your wrongdoing. You don't skip over that. You don't escape that shame by pretending it's not there, by tearing down the law and say, well, we should be able to do whatever we want to do, and your version of this is just as good as my version. Well, you know, you could say that, but the shame of your life and the decay that's going on inside is evidence that that's not so. You can, you can pretend it so all you want, but at the end of the day, the decay of sin will have its, its reward. It will have you. And so this is the beauty of what we've been given in Christ. When we get saved, it doesn't mean we are without error. It means that we have the means of being covered while God is dealing with our hearts.
That's all we, that's what we have. We're not better than anybody else, we just have the means of being found, of being kept out of jail while we're dealing with our, our, our sin, our criminal-like spiritual behavior. That's what we get. And some deal with it faster than others. Hence, we have us. <laughs> so if you come here expecting perfect people, forget about it, the, the, the most perfect people are the ones who are denying their guilt, who are feverishly playing the game and uh, being, who have the power to be, in the eyes of men, everything that seems that they should be. In here, you're gonna have broken people, you're gonna have dysfunctional people, you're gonna have hurt people, you're gonna have people limping their way to glory. And, the, and, and uh, the gap, the missing parts, is being made up by the blood of Jesus that says, it's all right, he's mine. He's mine. That's what the Passover is saying. God is saying, he's mine. He's mine. He's mine. So we declare with faith, Father, today, that we are yours. Not because we are sinless or perfect. We are yours because we believe not in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness that's given by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that makes us different. Hallelujah. Now, feels oddly quiet in here today. I'm not sure if, I, yeah, no Ben, no Ben. We're gonna, Ben's in California, whooping her up. But, uh, so I, I have several messages ready for to you, to give you today. Several messages, because I, I, I felt like I had something, and then when I, when I come into prayer, all of a sudden, God brings this other thing, and then again, once I realize that actually these two things tie together. Isn't it great how God works? Yes. Glory to God, it's amazing. Um, I, I'm not gonna give you a title right now because I'm not sure which is the best one. We've got three of them. But uh, let me say this, just to begin with. What is it that God is trying to do in your life? I mean, what is church? What is Christianity? Is, is, it, is it about ceremony? Is it about coming to church and saying the right things, you know, learning to genuflex and, and you know, do the, the cross or some symbol, some, you know, hold on to some emblem? Or like, what, what, what is everything about at the end of the day? Let me tell you, everything we do ceremonially is to remember things that are actual and that are real, things that are substantial. So when we're taking the bread and the blood, terrible bread, uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there's no actual power in that thing, only in as much as faith affixes itself to that. It, it, it's, it's for remembering what was done. It is, for, it is for creating a moment where we, through faith, grab hold of what these things represent the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so at the end of the day, the ceremonies that we go through, the sequence of events on a Sunday morning, the things that typical Christians do in churches all over the world are in themselves not the main thing. Never, they're never the main thing. You know what God is doing instead? What he's doing is he's making you immovable. I was sitting with somebody the other day 
who, uh, I'm not sure if they're in the room right now, I was just delighted to have this conversation because, because I was seeing the fruit of, of many years of wisdom being, in, being given to people. And this, this young man I was sitting with, as, he, as we were sharing, I realized, man, he's really getting it. He's really getting the message the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Something substantial has been changing inside of him and the substance of who God is, is attaching itself to his being. And what's happening is natural authority is coming to him. And that's what should happen to you. I wrote this down in the prayer room. Listen to this for a second. Fog immediately yields its place to matter. I want you to think of that as a principle. Fog, fog, well, if, you, if, if there were fog here, if we had a smoke machine, right? I, I think I'd love a smoke machine. I, 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 I love aesthetics. I love atmosphere. I love it spiritually. I love it physically, all right? I'm the guy at my house with people that come over. You know, if I have the time, I light the candles. My wife doesn't think about that. I do. I want to put some music on, light some candles, dim the lights, you know, get the nice smelling. So I'm over here in the bathroom this morning thinking, man, we need to get some air fresheners in here. (laughs) So whoever's in charge of that, make note of that. We need some air fresheners in the bathrooms. (laughs) Now, it may not matter to you. You might be able to squeeze your nostrils and, you know, move along. And you are unhindered, un, you know, un, un, uh, un, unmoved by that. Well, hallelujah. Not everybody else is. But um, anyway, what was I talking about? The fog. Yeah, yeah, the fog. The fog. See, if there were fog in this room or smoke or anything like that, if there was a cloud in this room and I walked through it, I would not be in the least bit hindered. Right? I mean, there was, there's nothing. Fog has no ability to displace me from my place. I displace fog. When I walk in the midst where fog is, fog immediately bows the knee to me. All right, that's, what, that's a power encounter. It's a, it's a physics power encounter, but that thing that has greater substance trumps that thing that has less substance. That is a universal spiritual law reflected in the natural. God is trying to make you permanent. God is trying to give substance to your being. He's trying to give you the essence of that weightiness of who he is so that not just when we're dealing with fog, but when we're dealing with competitive forces, they also yield. Now, we're not talking about, you know, manipulating or dominating people. We're talking about the manifestation of one of two kingdoms that exists. At the end of the day, in the spirit realm, there's one of two kingdoms. There's light and there's darkness. And the nature of light is that darkness will always yield. You see that reflected in the natural as well. Flick on the lights and magically the darkness disappears. Right? The darkness had little ability to resist it. And similarly, the kingdom of heaven, this is what we need to take, take home here right now, is that if I have 
light the darkness will yield. Well, you know, I'm going to church uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm growing in this and I go, to, I go to my family environments and I go to work and nobody pays any attention to me. I have no influence. I have no power. I have no, no ability to, you know, no respect. Man, they should respect me. I'm this. Well, just be that then. Respect, authority, influence comes to those who have weightiness. Spiritual authority, when it steps into the room, automatically takes its place. So you can't theoretically say you have authority and yet bemoan the fact that you never have authority. Because it means your authority is only theoretic. Theoretical. What God wants to give you is real authority. Real weightiness. Ha ha ha. Why? Because he doesn't want you to be moved. But here's the thing. He doesn't want just you to have authority. His things have authority. You hear what I'm saying? So you've got to make a choice of what you're going to hold on to. Now, a lot of Christians have a desperate need to be influential, but they're not willing to give up the things that are lightweight. Not willing to give up the fog. Not willing to give up what is unsubstantial. Yeah, but I like this. I like thinking like this. I like living like this. I like thinking, uh, feeling like this. Well, find that. Stay as you are. This is the option we are always being given. Yet God is looking at you and saying, man, what I could do with you. Oh, what I could do with you if you just really gave yourself to this thing. I can make you that you can walk into any room in the earth and people will automatically yield to you. I remember a few years ago, there was a friend of mine, he was at an event and they did this amazing event and this man came up to him one day and he, and he said to him, he said, he said I, I, I gotta talk to you. And he took him aside and he says, he says, listen, I don't know what this is, but whatever you need, Whatever, whatever you want, whatever you need. What do you need? Do you need money? Do you need, I, I'm, I'm very influential politically. He said, what do you need? Because I've never felt anything like this in my life. He says, I'm a 33rd degree Mason. And I'm very well connected in this city. And uh, anything you need, I'll give it to you. And the spirit of God whispers to my friend. And he says, the spirit that is in him is bowing to the spirit that is in you. See, all the stories of Scripture, whether it's, whether it's you know, Moses or the Israel in their journey or David, all of these conquests, everything that happened, Jesus walking through uh, the crowd of those who were meaning to kill him or the raising from the dead, all of these expressions of dominance are just part of one message that says there's a substance that is greater, that cannot be moved, cannot be hindered, cannot be stopped. And you have an opportunity to participate in that substance. It wants to affix itself to you. And the only thing between that and not is you. You decide. And everybody says, well, yeah, yeah, let's do that. That's, that's great. Well, it's going to take, take some time. It's going to take some time. Because the truth is, we don't know how the exchange how, how difficult that exchange is because our hearts are uh, eh, stubborn. We have our own bent. We have our own preferences. We were, we were playing a game last night and 
we were joking about how we were playing the rules of somebody else and, and, uh, and I remember a few years ago it would have bothered me to play that game with somebody else's rules. Just, you know, but I, I, I like our way of playing this game. You know, you just, at some point, you start detaching yourself from menial things. <laughs> Listen, fog immediately yields its place to matter. Likewise, water is displaced when the weight of what is greater bears down on it. So too will the frames of lesser men. Ah, I feel the promise of what God wants in this room. I feel the, the strength of what God wants to bring, and it's, it's so exciting. And I pray you get the substance of the promise because we're not here to just get by till we die. That's a good little saying. We're not here to just get by till we die. Rather, we have these kinds of promises like this one, Psalm 1-4, one, or 1-1-4. One, one Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's, that's a great thing. That's a great song. I'm going to delight myself in the law of the Lord. And we do that until we don't like the particular law. It's like, well, I'm going to value this one a little bit less than the other ones. Because I do this one well, I don't do that one so great. No, no, no. We value it all. Anyway. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Wow. That's a pretty amazing promise, right? Listen, if you do this, if you connect yourself to eternal, eternal, weighty, impermanent things, you will become like them. And you will be like the tree by the water, which means uh, you'll be fruitful and nothing will change your seasons. You're not going to be up and down. Your, your leaf will not wither. How many of you ever felt like you're withering? Right? Yeah. Four kids will do that to you, right? Four or five or somebody's like four, like two. Yeah, I know. Praise God. But this is the last. He said, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. What is he saying? They wither. They come to nothing. In time, given time, given the passing of years and, and epochs, they begin to demonstrate their actual essence, which is minimal. That's what happens. When that, that thing withers, it says it's not permanent. It doesn't have the longevity that we associate with things that come from heaven. One of the things I want to see happen this morning, is that out of your innermost being, I'm massaging your hearts and the desires for that permanence. Uh, to, to want it more than anything else. Well, why that? Why, why is it that? That is the pearl of great price. 
When you actually presumably got saved and you know, saw the, the, this value, this treasure in a field, you're supposed to sell everything you have and buy the field. Yeah, but I like the things I have also. Can I keep them all? Doesn't work that way. Why? Because it's not about how much money you have to buy. It's about the amount of currency you have in your heart. It's not about actual money. It's about the currency of desire. How badly do you want this? Do you want it so bad you're willing to give up everything else? And the truth is, often we go into this presumptuously. Oh, yeah, I want it all. And we realize, no, we don't. I want this much, this much, this much. And that's what you get then. But what God's desire for you is to be unshakable, unmovable, to have a kind of wisdom that when it speaks, the room hushes to listen. But you know, well, I'm not, I, I, I don't operate in that realm. It doesn't matter what realm you operate in. You could, you could be the most amazing neighbor in the world. Yeah. You're already a neighbor, yes. right? Why don't you be a good one? Yeah. <laughs> right? You're already a friend. Why don't you be the best one? You're already a mother or a father or a grandmother or a grandmother. Why don't you be the best one? Like, like, oh, I want to be significant in the eyes of the whole world. Well, tell you what, start by being significant in the people closest to you. And then we'll see how far it goes. If that means being a good wife, a good husband, a good, a good child, a good grandmother, do that and see what doors it opens. Because I promise you, this is the way it works. When God sees somebody doing a really effective job at something, he promotes them. Because there's not enough people at the top who know what they're doing. And so authority in the kingdom is going to come. But let me try and get back to the the essential theme here. We're running out of time. Uh, There are things that are permanent that are the most valuable. In fact, this is what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, it's 16 to 18, and you've heard us talk about this in the past, but listen to this, it says, therefore we do not lose heart. Okay, well let's stop right there for a second. How many of you have lost heart? How many of you have been disillusioned? How many of you have been disappointed? How many of you thought, well, this should be going faster. I should have more success. I, I, you know, I still feel like I'm you know, at the bottom of the totem pole, at the pecking order. Like, like I deserve to be more important. In God's economy, in God's kingdom, there is no mistake being made around importance. He's assigning importance in his kingdom. In the, in the kingdom of darkness, everyone's making, everyone's deciding for themselves what's most important, and then we're clashing against other people's value systems. In the kingdom of heaven, there's only one value system. It emanates from God himself. And to the degree that we align ourselves with that value system, we are promoted. And there's no chance that doesn't happen in the kingdom. I mean, let me tell you, there's no chance that doesn't happen. So disillusionment is impossible unless you're holding on to something you you needed to let go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna get to this eventually, hopefully. 
But there's a few phrases in the scripture that really caught my, catch my attention. Like when, when God says something like, if you do this, you will never fail, I pay attention. God says, love never fails. Now, why does that stand out? Because I, I see a lot of things being tried and attempted and failing and occasionally working. And God is saying, no, what I have works all the time. And if what you're doing is not working, it might be part of me, but it's not all of me because what I do always works. Love never fails. We're going to look at this in a second if we have time. Second Peter chapter 1. He says, if you do these things, you will never stumble. Well, what? I can, I can succeed on purpose as a Christian? You mean it's not rolling the dice? I'm, not, I'm hoping this works, you know, because we're dealing with an invisible realm and it's all mysterious and it's all veiled and I, I'm not sure, so, you know, we're, I'm going to pray and do this, but, you know, sometimes it doesn't work because God's in a different mood. Actually, what God has given us is a surefire system that always works if we work it right. We're the weak link. We're the variable in the equation. We're the X factor. Is it one or is it 100? That's the unknown. So there's this passage in 2 Corinthians. It says, therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Ah, how's that, how's that for When you're at the end of your rope, renewal is possible. Being renewed day by day. This is the issue, okay? And I know, listen, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still trying to find the revelation around physical capacity. I'm 61 years old now. And when Paul talks about the energy that he had in him and you know his his the pace at which he ran when i look at you know caleb and joshua in the old testament how their eyesight didn't even dim and at 80 years old they're taking a mountain and i'm thinking here i am it's 7 30 and i want to go to bed <laughs> all right so I'm, I'm i'm thinking i'm not getting the whole enchilada here and I don't, feel, I don't feel condemned by that. I don't feel disqualified by that. I feel challenged. I feel, what are the answers then? You know, what is it that I can and need to do in order to get some of that? That's the question. Not, oh, I'm such a poor Christian, I'm just gonna go and mope in a little corner and hide in the darkness and the dampness of, of the basement. No. There's renewal, there's power, there's authority, there's zeal. And, and I feel like, like as at this stage of my life, I feel like it's coming because one of the things that I don't deal with constantly is hopelessness. I've had so many setbacks you can't imagine, yet my hope is always renewed. I have, a, I have an endless membership 
You might have a membership to a movie thing, you know, a, a Netflix thing, uh, program or something, and it's a lifelong membership. But, you know, your, your movies, they run out. You go to watch or something, a show or something, and it says, it, it says uh, expired. Expired. But if you just click the button, it's, it renews it. God's saying, I have renewal power for you. And I mean, physically, that's one thing, but that's not, the, that's not our biggest problem. That's not what kills our Christianity. It's disillusionment. How do you keep hoping? How do you run up against people that betray you and hurt you and lie and steal and, and their intent is killing? And how do you keep running up against Christians who are imperfect and childish and competitive and, and unworthy and unfaithful and they say they're going to be there, they're going to do this and they don't? How do you stay in the game? <laughs> if you're uh, trying to, you know, encourage yourself, that's not going to be... Uh, it's not going to last for very long. But we have a connection. A connection to a hope. To an endless hope. To a perfect hope that doesn't fade. Doesn't fade. You just, you know, that's why, that's why you can allow somebody to slap you on the face and you turn the other cheek. Oh, I don't know, I, I was hurt once and I've turtled ever since. Right? Many of us are turtling because we can't handle the fire because we're trying to live out of our own resource. And the fact that you want to quit, the fact that you want to retreat, the fact that you want to pack it in is the evidence that you're drawing from the wrong source. When God's source says, no, I, I have eternal power. No brownouts in my world. That's what he's saying. And so, well... When I have a brownout, you know, when I want to withdraw, when, when I want to stop talking to people, when I want to quit this thing, when I want to throw in the towel, I'm just, I'm just done. I'm done. Now, maybe you're done, and we won't talk about this today. Maybe you're done because you're doing it wrong, and done is not done. It's time for a reset. But that's a different thing. That doesn't mean stopping. That means just changing the way you're doing it which we come to. Anyway, what are we talking about here? <laughs> uh, I've got like five minutes left here. I was talking to somebody the other day about this. I went to Bible college with guys who seemingly had the same experience I had. Zealous, faithful. We're all going after the same things. And of course, in our world, we... We valued people who were believing the same things like we were believing them. And so the evidence of a pure faith, of pure desires, that you wanted Holy Ghost things in my world. So I thought, man, we are way beyond anybody else who doesn't want Holy Ghost things. We're the revival people. We're the tongue-speaking people. We're the gifts of the Spirit people. We're the God people. The other guys, they only want half. And, and we embrace the culture and all the things that went with that. And so we should. But what I realized is a lot of people who did those exact things didn't make the grade. I mean, there were some that didn't even make it through Bible college. Before they finished Bible college, they were backslidden and not even serving God anymore. 
Then there were others who made it past Bible college and then tried to apply for ministry and because it didn't work out the way they wanted to, they got mad at the church and cursed the church and now they're, they're, they're not serving the Lord, they're somewhere else. Like, uh, where's the longevity? Where's the permanence? How can, is there any hope? Like, can anybody make this curve? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what the generals of the faith historically are really about, the ones that made it to the end. They're the, they are our inspiration. The question we should ask, be asking ourselves is what did they tap into? How did they stay connected to that? And it's not rocket science. At the end of the day, it's dealing with that nasty flesh of yours. It's dealing with the self-pity. It's dealing with, I thought I deserved this, and they gave it to that guy, and now that's as if I'll ever go back to that church. That was my parking stall, my chair, my tithe number. <laughs> Listen, if you're fighting over tithe numbers, we'll, we'll make a new one for you. The challenge that we have is people can't stay consistently, permanently fixed to that invisible realm. At the end of the day, what God is doing is he's saying, there's two kingdoms. One is gonna endure forever. One has permanence. One has weightiness. One has substance. One cannot be overcome by the other. Do we believe this? If so, we need to start changing our attitude. When I am overcome, when I am offended, when I am bothered by somebody else's ungodliness, that I can't walk with them, I can't talk with them, I can't tolerate their presence, just the very thought of them throws me into a tizzy, that is not the kind of dominion that you say you want or have. So the evidence is always staring us right there in our face. Wisdom is crying in the streets, always saying, listen, here's the way, walk you in it. Uh, if you, you, you say you have all this authority, yet you're thrown by the fact that that person got a cake and you didn't. That person got a party at the church for their second child and you didn't. That person's more popular and they got more phone calls and you didn't. That's, I'm, that's, I'm out of here. You could spend all your life fixing and arranging the church and telling everybody else how they should treat you, or you can just get over yourself and reign. Reign, come over top of that. You see, these things are sent to your direction, not to show you how evil everybody else is, but to see whether you've, you're actually committed to the values you said you're committed to. That's what it's about. I, I will never be moved. Jesus, Peter says, I'll never deny you. <laughs> I love your sincerity, Peter. I love your zeal. But you don't know what's in you. You, you, you don't know what I'm trying to conquer so that you can be the Peter I know you can be. All we have to do is choose to stick in the game and discern what's permanent and what's not. I'm, I'm done with this. That thought right there. I'm done with this marriage. I'm done with this church. I'm done with that group of friends. I'm done with, with, with uh, going, to, going to prayer meetings. 
keep going to prayer meetings. Why don't they recognize I have the best prayers? They keep giving the mic to that Derek guy. It's like, all right already. Brian's not here, what can I say? What, what, is all, what, what, is he, what is all this about? You and your identity, you and your desire for supremacy and dominion. And don't, don't get me wrong, God is wanting to give it to you. Just that thing there that's easily offended is not it. <laughs> Love never fails. <laughs> it's so simple, right? All you have to do is say, oh yeah, that failed. Oh yeah, I got set back there. I was willing to quit. Uh, there's something in the equation of my life that needs to be rooted out. God said, yes! <laughs> this is what we're doing. And I am the potter and you are the clay. You don't have to know what it is. You have to just keep saying, when I, when I point it, is this permanent? And it's, it's not permanent. You just say, You're, yes, it's not permanent. But I keep pointing to things you say, no, no, that's good. That's really good stuff. That's permanent. That's solid. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't, God says. So you say, yes, it is again. And he says, oh, I'll show you. <laughs> Let's see what withers. Let's see what falls apart. Let's see what collapses like a house of cards. Why? Not because I'm mad at you. I want you to be formed in that which is permanent. Yes. That which cannot be moved, that which endures forever. Because everything of the kingdom that's coming down from above cannot be moved. And I'm trying to root you in that so that you can be my ambassador on the earth and where you walk, I walk. So that the fog of other men's ambitions, they bounce off you like the moisture that they are. That's the promise I'm giving you. That's the journey. That's, that's what the fire is about. That's what the testing is about. That's what you being frustrated with your kids and your husband and, and the finances and the, and the broken car and all the rest of that. It's all meant to manifest where are you in the equation so that you can reach for more. And if you don't stop, if you continue to lean in, and if you can't, yeah, God, I'm, I'm the weak one. I, it was me. God, change this in me. How can I do this? How can I come over the top? How can I keep loving people? How can I keep being friendly when, you know, when I'm disappointed? I'm so afraid of being rejected. I'm so afraid of being hurt. I'd rather go and just lock myself in my kitchen. There, if I'm in my kitchen with my dog, everything is good. No, it isn't. It's not good. It's survival but I've called you to have dominion, not survive. Yeah, you can hide yourself in a cave like the, the monks, right? You can hide in your kitchen, you can retreat to the very smallest thing. You, you, you can withdraw from everything and have the appearance of having a happy life. But dominion, which is the essence of what my presence brings, will be beyond you. You'll still go to heaven, you'll, you'll still be saved, but you'll miss out on what this was really about. Hallelujah. I, I hadn't even got to the message yet. <laughs> but God dwells in unapproachable light. And he says, 
if you keep coming closer to me, two things are going to happen. One, everything that is inconsistent with an unapproachable light will be burnt up, will be dissolved, will be, will be changed. Because that's, that's what happens. We are made like him when we behold him. And so your journey is, I, I want to draw near so that I see you more clearly. He said, yeah, but the price is I will dissolve the things that you presently are holding on to. Can you stay in the fire? But on the flip side, after I dissolve your desires, I'm going to put my desires in you, my vision for your life. And that will have its own innate power to accomplish its end. And it needs nothing of your strength. It just is a substance that's immovable, a substance that's permanent. I see men and women growing in this commodity. It's, it's so infectiously beautiful. And the favor, the world is actually longing for this. The world is longing, they don't know where they're longing for it, but when they see it, they either love it or they hate it. And the ones that hate it is because they're threatened by the being displaced, but there's the people who are really in charge, the heads of corporations, they're aware that the main problem is people. They're aware, like we need few good people. We could be the answer. Father, I thank you, God, for the promise that you've given us. And he, an, an, an eternal kingdom that will not fade away, that cannot be displaced by things as menial as fog and water. There's a weightiness that you want to add to us, Father, that when we collide with this world, the world will give way. But Father, may we have the humility to acknowledge that when the world is not giving way, that we're not coming with the weightiness that is available. So Lord, bring us into humility and continuous cycles of repentance. Continuous cycles of humility and repentance. Humility and repentance that go, lead us from glory to glory to glory, Father. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.